Welcome to Landline Podcast, a triumphant return to conversations that used to be important. On today's show, Anya, the feminist superhero, Mike, the giggling expatriate, and the latest edition of Scam Jam. Here's your host, Alex McKay. Hey, thanks for listening to Landline. Great support the last few months. New season, still going strong. Sorry about the delay on this podcast, to be quite honest with you, Australia. I have been a little bit afraid to put this episode up. And I decided to say, fuck the internet. If doors are closed for me down the road, then maybe they're not the ones I wanted to go down anyways. So, without further ado, let's have some hot Kavanaugh talk on Landline Podcast. Landline? Landline. Hold on a second. I gotta find some place. Are you in the portal? Are you in the portage on? <laughs> no, I'm not in the portal, John. I'm at my desk. Is your boss still away? What? Is your boss still away? No, she's back today. Oh, no. Worst day. What? Worst day to call. Yeah, worst day to call. Why haven't you called me before? I got a lot going on. I got a kid. I went to travel. I have a job. I got a incredibly successful podcast that's catching up to St- Rick Steves every day. <laughs> cool. Okay, so just you left an incredible message, and I can just recap. Recap. You're, it all started with the Kavanaugh podcast. Well, yes. I mean, it all started, I mean, that whole, like, two weeks was, like, hell on earth for me and probably every single woman in this country. Um, It really triggered everything and just brought everything up and really felt like the whole country was just out to punch us in our vaginas. Um, And then I was listening to... Your po- the podcast episode about it and first of all like mad props to Anna for even like being able to like calmly talk to her brother about these issues in like a really respectful way I am not able to do that at all um and like got into so many like fights like I got in a huge fight with my father-in-law which led to like a huge fight with my husband to like a whole thing. And then I lost my keys. I locked out of my car, like lots of stuff happened. Anyways, I called you after listening to, um, that Kavanaugh episode to like read my prepared statement on like, um, Ford's testimony and why this wasn't like a political issue and why this was like a, women's rights issue and you know that I've been working in this field for like over a decade and I listen to stories like this every single day not to mention like I have a story like this every single woman I know almost has a story like this um so I was don't worry I'm sweating you know, really 
I was really heated. I called to, like, leave you this, like, prepared statement that I had written, like, in defense because I realized very quickly, like, over the past two weeks that I couldn't speak calmly to anybody. I needed to, like, write my thoughts down and email them out. So anyways, I got all fired up and I like called your, I called and like left several voice messages. I got like interrupted during my like prepared statement with like a few beeps and like Bennett like picked me up in the car and like he was like being loud. So I had to call back and, and then I kept calling and then I left like the whole statement and then I was like, and I can't believe like Anna's brother is like feels that way and Anna you're amazing and blah, blah 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 and then I like hung up and I had didn't hear from you for several days and I was like oh fuck they're like really mad at me like I clearly like crossed the line and like you know it's like I insulted their family and like I just like went crazy and like I've lost like a friend and so then I kept calling you back and leaving messages being like why aren't you calling me back I'm sorry, don't be mad at me. Um, and then I called again and I was like, wait, I, you were in Berkeley. Like, why, did, for, why didn't you call me when you were in Berkeley? Because I was there for 26 hours and because I just, because Saul is a handful. Have you listened to the podcast? Do you think you can like. Yeah, it? but I'm just saying like. All right, I should have like, called oh, you. I, t- okay, I my forgot. This is all like anti technology, but you like dated, time stamped yourself, like GPS located yourself, and made your friend who you are like quote unquote trying to be more connected to in this like technological age um, feel bad that you didn't reach out to me. All right, well, I just forgot. I honestly totally forgot. And I was, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I wish I had called you. We could have had a great time. We could have potted. Yeah. Exactly. We totally could have potted. Anyway, so then I called you and left another message being like, why didn't you call me when you were in Berkeley? Like, fuck you. And I don't know. I I left you so many messages. And then I was like listening to another podcast. Uh, Like, I think it was Tim or something. And he said something about your answering machine. And I was like, wait a second. Oh, no, I left you all these critical messages being like, why, if you're doing a landline podcast, like, why don't you have one of those old school, like, tapes that's like, it's Alex and Anna and Homer and we're not home. We have a message after the beep or whatever, but you didn't, it was just like, you have reached 503, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then I realized that I had been calling the wrong number this entire time. And like, I feel so bad i don't like that person probably feels like really harassed because it was like an angry female like screaming at them on their voicemail and like several like i ran through the tape several times and i just wish we could like get that back because it was pure gold for the podcast well i definitely terrorized somebody I have to call those people. I've got to call them. You, you, you just look after this pod. Can you just look up what the number was that you called on your cell phone? Talk about a good reason to have a cell phone. And uh, you got to tell me the number and I'll call them and record it for the pod. Because that's, I mean, this is amazing. This is community. I mean, do you think they saved the messages? <laughs> they never like texted me back being like, stop calling me crazy freak. So. All right. Well, can I just do I know you're at work and we have to go, but I want to do a very like Kavanaugh specific response because I've been thinking about you this whole time, too. Um, yes. Like, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like things 
or calm down wait, now. Wait, can, like, wait, no, no. I want to tell without feeling like I'm going to throw up and cry, but I, it's just like incredibly bad. Like the whole thing that happened it has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with like which team won and got their guy like on the bench. It's like this incredibly credible. This is like a job interview, right? It was just a job interview and a very credible reference who is like a doctor and a very credible person um, gave a very like disturbing character reference for this person. And that was just completely ignored. And instead that person like has one of the like highest, most important jobs in our entire country, not to mention like the character reference was about policing women's bodies and now he is in charge of like policing all american women's bodies so it just kind of sucks all right so i actually love that you just said that but i wanted to say a little uh, uh, my piece to you about this whole thing do you have two? Mm-hmm. so i've been a dirtbag to some of your friends after getting drunk and i have like been living in fear the last month because one of our communal friends basically compared me to Kavanaugh flippantly on a text chain with a bunch of guys. And I like woke up the next day wondering if I needed to call every woman that I've ever had an intimate piece of contact with and like make sure that I didn't go over the line. And I had to do like a bunch of processing with my wife about it. And this is in no way for you to be like, it's okay. It's not you. But like, how did did I ever come up in your mind when you were thinking about Kavanaugh? Because here you are on my pat podcast, like using me as clearly a positive resource and talking about your feelings about this. But like, how do white American males who drank too much in college also process this? I mean, I think that that's what you should do. And like, no, you were never like, a Kavanaugh asshole to me, but like you never, we didn't have like any sort of sexual relationship or like any tension because like that's just not who you and I were. And I'm sure that like if you feel like you did that to some girls, like you should call them and be like, hey, I don't know if this like ever affected you, but I was just thinking back and I really don't like the way my behavior, you know, looking at like how this is all coming out and realizing that my behavior was inappropriate and I apologize. And, you know, I just, you know, you don't need to write back. You don't need to say anything. I just want to let you know that I recognize and I feel bad about the way I acted. Um, I think that that is like the way that all people should respond in this situation is to look back on their interactions and recognize that something that they might just have written off as being a drunk asshole in college could have had like a serious, significant impact on the person, the other person in the room, and just put yourself in their shoes for one second and think, like, you know, if you think that that could have potentially been a situation where, like, in 20 years, this woman's going to come up and say, actually, this is, like, scary, drunken asshole has clearly no respect for, like, women and their bodies, then, like, you know, be brave and do something about it like and acknowledge that that's like not acceptable behavior and it's not something that you want your children to like just write off as okay in the moment because they were drunk and don't let anybody like call this instance a smear campaign for some good old boy um you know just call it as it is like this is an opportunity for the whole the whole country to really like 
look at the way that we deal with gender equity issues and women's rights issues and sexual assault and recognize that, you know, there's new sheriffs in town or a new era that's happening with Me Too and everything, and it's no longer okay to just sweep it under the rug, and you just can't get away with that anymore. And it's not like you're ever, like, trying to be an asshole, but, you know, there are things like norms and social conditioning and unconscious bias and everything that plays into, like, all the actions that we do every day. And the only, and it's nobody's fault that those things, like, are there. It's culture and society's fault, and it's thousands of years of it being, like, deep into us. And that's the way that we think we should act. And the only way to, like, make a difference is to acknowledge that, that that should change and acknowledge it as much as you can and try to, like, fill your life and your world with examples of, like, positive, strong, like, female leaders and fill your and be, like, a different person, be a different man, be a different person, the way you interact with, like, all types of genders, set a good example for your kids, and, you know, don't let things slide with just, like, letting people say, like, oh, he was in college, it's not a big deal, we all did that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you did that, but it doesn't mean that it was right that you did that. Oh, it doesn't mean that you need to go to waiting. jail for being a child molester, it just means that you should, like, acknowledge that that was fucked up, that you did it. Wait, call waiting just called, I'm not going to answer it. Oh, wait, oh hold God. on, stay on hold, this is, this is too good, hold on. Landline? Hello? Hello? Anya? Yeah. No one was there. Um, so, okay, so we, your content is gold. It's all going to go on the internet. You have also been filibustering a little bit. We don't have the time for a back no, and forth. No, there's a piece of floss here. That's so gross. Um, okay, sorry, go on. <laughs> You can edit. No, no, I don't want to edit. I just want to. You have to go soon, and I don't. And and I don't. I have no retort to what you said. I thought it was beautifully put, and I think it's an amazing thing. I think I don't want to feel sympathy, and I don't necessarily. I feel that there's a spectrum, and I'm not anywhere near what Brett Kavanaugh was accused of. But I'm sure if someone in my past was listening to this podcast, they might be able to call and say differently. Having said that. I what he did was a big deal it's just like no but listen like, listen though what i'm saying is like should phones be ringing all around the country right now with like old hookups from drunk college bars saying i'm sorry like because i don't think that that's i don't think you're wrong but do you think all women want to hear from these people like how do you know i mean this is the like this is the great whip like coming around and catching you on the backside as a as a man as like an alpha straight male who like drank in college or high school is now we all have to live with, which is perfectly fine. We deserve it. We all have to live with this poison of not actually knowing whether or not um, we, or, or maybe we all know we did go too far. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe all, I mean, I mean that's the thing. It's like, if you're asking the question, like if you feel like you could have gone too far and it was like a thing where you don't think that the other person involved was like, on board in the same way that you were and you could see now where that situation could have like although you probably like brushed it off as like things happen when you're drunk it doesn't mean that like that didn't affect them if you have that feeling at the pit of your stomach like don't put it on the person to like 
exonerate you, but like, yeah, send an email, just say no need to write back. Just want to let you know that I feel like what happened was not okay. And I apologize for my behavior. Yeah. Well, it's pretty powerful stuff right there. Um, well, do you think we're better off moving forward? I'd have to say, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting how this all shakes out. I mean, I think in one way it's like good that we like put a hold, held a mirror up to ourselves. It was like incredibly disappointing that that mirror showed that no one gave that like when it all boiled down to it, there were things like tax cuts and like gun rights and whatever the fuck else like is more important than like respecting and believing um people that have been victims of assault and are trying to share their story because that is like the underlying issue here the reason why you are not aware that things could have happened and there's all these gray lines and nobody knows is because no person has ever felt comfortable coming out and telling their story. And it is not provable, as you've seen in a court of law. Many times the reason why people who have been sexually assaulted do not come out and like put a case, a criminal case against their attacker is because it's very, very hard to prove. It is a question of he said, she said. And this was just like a huge opportunity because it was not a criminal case and no one was like deciding in a court of law whether they were guilty or innocent. It was just a job character reference where it could have been like, yeah, we believe these stories. They are true. There's no reason why anybody would get up there and embarrass themselves in front of the whole world and and brand themselves as a victim if they didn't like feel that this was something that needed the world needed to know. And we need to just like take that for what it is. It needs to inspire women to be able to say something. It should inspire all men to like think about their actions and you know maybe you go too far and you apologize to somebody that doesn't feel like it was a thing like oh that's the worst thing that happens is like you apologize to somebody that didn't need an apology but like the best thing that could happen is you're going to change that person's life who just felt completely like unseen unvindicated and just like that their feelings mean nothing by you going and saying something like you could really turn that whole person's life around and, and make a really big difference. So I think it's worth it. Well, there you go. Landline podcast. You're not going to get that anywhere on the Internet. So suck it, Internet, um, but not in a sexual suck it, way, internet. obviously. And sorry, Anna's brother. I do. You do sound like a very nice, credi- credible person. I just think you're on the wrong side of this. And, you know, when it comes down to it, it's not about politics. It's about the issue of sexual assault and um, sexual exploitation. And that's just not like an argument or a debate that I think that we should be on a different side of. Well, I don't think you are. And this is where this podcast could go from 15 minutes to 50. And I don't want it to. But I this is why I let other people speak for me on Kavanaugh, because this is just a circle that goes around. The reality is everything you've said has been so articulate and true and valid and necessary to the conversation and consciousness on this issue moving forward. The thing that people are basically hanging their hat on on, quote, the opposite side of you is that this guy said he didn't do it and that you that um, you 100 percent believe the accuser and nobody's going to change your mind. 
And unfortunately, in this bizarre world, you have to respect the fact that those on the other side who 100 percent don't believe her are biased in their opinions, just like you are. But we don't have any resolution of the facts. What we have is the resolution of no, this. No, that's not true, Alex. I'm sorry, but that is not true. That's no, it's but... reading a book like Google it. There is like data out there that shows that 99.9999999% of people that come out with stories of sexual assault are not making it up. And this is like the common thing that happens over and over. It's he said, she said, I believe her, I believe him. How come you're going to believe her over him? But there's this thing called patriarchy that allows this to happen so that every time you're allowed to say, well, I believe him, who knows? It's just an equal question of, like, he's equally as innocent until proven guilty as her accuser. That's not what it is. It's weighted. It's, like, weighted towards the side of the accused rather than the accuser, and the victim is not believed over and over and over again. And until we, like, start saying, oh, yeah, but we're not going to be fair, and we have to give each side, like, an equal innocent until proven guilty, guilty until we say like no right now the scales are not equal right now the way that we look at things because of the patriarchal lens that extends over every single thing in our society it is unequally skewed and we have to give more attention or more value or more worth on the accuser side in order to skew things back to equality then like it's never it's just like that's that's just an excuse like at the okay, end of the day but you excuse. but that's fine but but you you're disappointed about that i'm disappointed about the fact that this guy is a supreme court justice after he acted the way he did that we yeah, have i mean you're disappointed about that too but i like yesterday i read an article that says that 60 percent of the world's animals have died since 1970 okay that is the patriarchy. That is the disease of our people on the face of the earth. What is more annoying is that everybody knows that plastic straws are going into the ocean, and yet we continue to get them at bars. So you are talking about a global, you know, universe-level issue that is necessary to change. And I would say even if we can agree that the patriarchal structure is going to get smart, intelligent people to believe Brett Kavanaugh, they shouldn't be okay with how he acted after he was accused. And so I, it's like we need, we need incremental progress to achieve some sort of unity around issues. Now, we might be solving the larger problem of patriarchy by agreeing that the symptom of him acting the way he did in his testimony shows that we don't want him to be one of nine lifetime justices on the Supreme Court. And that's good enough. That gets you where you want to go, which is him not being on the Supreme Court. It's going to be pretty hard to, like, weed patriarchy out of society because it's been – a hundred thousand years and the men are still acting like the hunters and gatherers so anyways well obviously it's not going to like be killed in one day but like it's steps like this that we can you know take as like a turning point it's like what are we going to do at this point we got to put up or shut up like here's an opportunity to fight and so you're going to fight fight and for all you listeners that's 
Oh no, you faded out. Oh shit. Oh, that's the only way we're gonna lose her. You just faded out on your final point. Well, I said this is an opportunity for us to stand up and fight. Oh, sorry. So we have six more days, everybody that's listening out there. So if you want to have your your voice heard and start to fight, go vote. Are you? Is that the beeper for like the Japanese toilet line at the office? Like after somebody <laughs> leaves, <laughs> somebody else gets in. See, there it goes. All right, it's your turn. Thanks for being on the pod. I'm trying my best over okay. here. All right. Thanks for being um, slightly careful about this situation. And sorry again to Anna's brother. I think you're a great person. All right. Well, t- well, I'm only slightly careful. What does that mean? I want to be fully careful. I mean, I don't know. Just like having the whole, like having, giving him that whole platform to like spew all that stuff was, again, like, you could have done better. Yeah, but I think that's unfair. I think that's where you're wrong. I think we need to, it's the same thing we're doing now. We need to breathe out everyone's point of view and we need to listen to it and understand it and empathize with it so that we can learn from each other. Uh-oh. All right. What do you want, speakerphone? No, I think it's important to see everyone's point of view for sure, um, but I think that that point of view was too heavily featured. Um, and while Anna, obviously she was being really, really nice, um, but there was not enough sufficient like voice and argument of the other side that was shown on your podcast. So hopefully... What do you think this is? This, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Hopefully this will help. Anyways, I really have to go on three minutes late for a meeting. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Landline. All right, there's no way to follow up. That interview spoke for itself, a little comedy to clear the air and uh, entice you to listen to other episodes of the podcast. Here we go. Call the landline at 503-894-8480. Landline. Elbow. Crystal clear from 6,000 miles away. Oh, man, it was so hard to call you. I can't believe that. I'm obviously very angry. Who I had to go online and like set my settings up to allow a blocked caller. Don't these people know that I want all blocked callers to call? That's part of my gig. I know. It's ridiculous. And I am using my other personal Skype account, which I never use. So I forgot my ID and my code and everything, and that took me a while to get in. So it's been a disaster so far. But it's good to hear your voice. Good to hear yours. Maybe we should put in all the funds I have into getting you a landline in Chile that you can call a bat phone. Chile, a Futula Futa Portland bat phone. Or just like two cups with a really, really long string. (laughs) I wonder where the world's longest uh, tin can phone exists. I tried to make a tin can phone for Homer, but like couldn't convince him to hold it up to his ear he would just hold it up to his mouth when i was holding it up to my mouth so that mm. i may be just too young have you done the tin can foam with javi yet no but i can just see the same thing happening he doesn't listen to me or follow any instructions at this point so <laughs> i was i had to change four diapers this morning and i was thinking i heard a statistic while i was in business school that 11 percent of all the world's trash is diapers and I, 
I thought about you and I, I know you're like in a rural area and I know that like getting things is also is sometimes a problem. I wonder if disposing of things is also a problem. Are you guys doing cloth diapers down there? No, the, the idea was thrown out originally. Um, and then for a while we were buying these biodegradable ones that you can either throw away and they will, you know, um, disappear within a couple months or you can bury them by themselves and they'll disappear even sooner. Um, and I told my wife, I didn't want any part of that. So <laughs> she used to like go in the backyard, and dig a big hole and then bury all of our diapers. And that's what she, she would go through. And now we've both just given up and we don't care. And we just use as many diapers as it's needed. Was the name of that diaper brand Clopex by any chance? <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen that. They weren't even good. They were like these special ones. They cost so much money. And then he would just pee right through them and right through the clothes. They basically were like not even wearing a diaper. This is the problem as like a, you know, fashioning myself an environmentalist. It's basically we all reach our breaking point with something. And apparently for me, it's like shit falling out of my kid's pants in public. So I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Maybe we'll try to uh, do disposable diapers if we have around two. All right. Well, Mike's on a time crunch here, busy uh, spring day and food to the food chili. So we're not going to take up too much of his time, but um, I wanted to connect with him on the landline because he recently roasted a pig for his wife's birthday. And I really recently ordered a pig um, for the winter to put in our freezer and eat, you know, locally raised pastured, humanely treated, humanely, um, killed and butchered pork, which I was really excited about. And Mike and I were texting, God forbid, back and forth about it or emailing or something. And basically I wondered how the hell he could afford to have a pig roast because I just did some Excel calculations and between me and two friends were in $1,300 on the pig we ordered. So Mike, why don't you take it away with, you know, why you decided to do a pig? I know you've been roasting animals a lot down there and, and kind of what, what the scene was like and then how you were, could afford it. And we can just trade pig stories here. Well, how, how big was your pig? All right. Great question. So it was 236 pounds at slaughter um, and we paid the farmer $4 a pound. So and then we had to pay the butcher a fee plus a per pound fee. And then we also got a bunch of cured stuff like we got ham and bacon. So I definitely got the Cadillac package. But how big was your pig? See, ours is small. Ours is like, uh, I guess it would be called like a sucking pig or something like that. Oh, a baby. Uh, so you, you killed and slaughtered a baby pig and ate it is what you're saying. Basically, it was like 40 pounds, though. It was kind of in between. Oh, well, um, this is terrible podcast then. We've got nothing to compare. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what? So, all right, how much did he pay for a 40-pound pig? We paid like 70 bucks for it. All right. So, yeah. All right, so let's see, 70 bucks, 40 pounds. So you're paying 17, wait, $70. That's still so cheap. It's less than $2 a pound. So you paid a lot less. Um well, tell us about roasting the pig. Let's try to squeeze some lemon out of this lemonade or whatever they say. Well, okay, so the the process is that um, we have to go out and get the pig from our friends, these two guys who have a, a farm near us, 
um, which is like 20 minutes out of town on this crazy road. And what's crazy uh, about it? Crazy. It's so my town is on what's like it's the Futu, It's called Futulafu, and it's on this ridiculous river called the the Futulafu River. And where we're driving out is this section called La Tascala, the Heights, which is you're driving out over this canyon that drops like you know hundred something feet right into you know this giant river that has class five rapids in it and you're kind of going out there and looking down at the river the whole time um so it's it's pretty pretty crazy and i assume there's like major guardrails and like your car has all the new technology where it stays in the lane without you having to do anything but check your phone well there are some guardrails it's (laughs) it's not a great road i would say that Uh, but it has been improved I don't know, within the last 10 years or so. So they talk about all the time about before when they had to go to town and do it on horseback and how horrible it was. But anyway, you go out there and you finally get to their farm. And it's just like this great farm. They have hundreds of animals, you know, all mixed together. So it's like pigs and ducks and turkeys, chickens and goats and all these things. But they're all kind of together. And so you come up and there's like pigs with chickens and all these things. And, you know, we just let my son Javi kind of out of the car and he starts running after them and going crazy. Um, And we get there. And I have been out and seen them go through the process of actually like I picked out the pig I want and they killed it and then slaughtered it for me. Um, Talk about farm to table. Yeah, this time, which I think is actually something that I don't want to do again, but I'm kind of happy that I saw it once. Um, And this time I had them all have it all ready in a bag, brought it back, and we we cooked it up. And so do you have... do you have the steak? Like, do you have do you have all the equipment? Do you order it on Amazon? Did you like ask the pig guys what you should have for a spit? How does that all work? So, um, one of the things that we have, we own, we have several barbecue kind of uh, utensils or whatever ways of doing um, different types of barbecues. One of the things we have is called a concatera, which is like, do you know one of those things that it's kind of like a grate or something, a cage where you would cook a fish. Yeah. So you, uh, the, you mean that like fish. the fish basket in the Ron Popeil um, rotisserie grill commercial? Yeah. Where you like fold the two sides down and, and clamp it like that. Totally. I know where you're going yeah. with this. Keep going. Okay. So, so we have a giant one of those that Rocio's, my, my wife's dad actually made, you know, 30 something years ago that we have used with these smaller pigs (laughs) um, and lamb and things like that. And basically, you know, cut open the animal. um, You spatchcock it, it, right? You, like, basically flay it out so there's two halves and then try to cook it, you know, flat like a hamburger rotating, almost like that. Yeah, yeah. I was. You're supposed to kind of, like, cut into the shoulders and the thighs a little bit and then butterfly them out yeah butterfly Uh, but i i didn't do that this time because i fully forgot but 
it turned out being okay. Um, we had this kind of big, long um, barbecue thing that where we can put all the uh, uh, charcoal and then, you know, attach one side to one side and the other, and then just basically you're put, cooking it on the spit for four hours. Um, wow. And are you spinning it, or did you get, like, a bicycle that a bunch of hippies can, like, make smoothies on to spin it, or how's that working? Just going old school, man. Just me turning out there for probably the first three hours. It was me by myself getting at it. Wow. And then, yes, other people showed up who were coming over for dinner, and they kind of, we took turns after that. All right, so obviously the cooler of beer you don't have to walk to get to. And I assume you're just turning around to piss in a pile that you've kind of demarcated as the area to not walk. But how are you washing your hands? Are you just dipping them in the ice in the cooler, or how does that work? Why Why would I need to wash my hands? <laughs> um, you mean after getting the pig ready and everything? Yeah, that's true. All right, well, there's fire. You can kind of just burn the bacteria off. Um, yeah. All right, amazing. Now we're going to talk about your brewery, but are you just drinking homebrew the whole time, or how does that work? Yeah, this this for her birthday, I had two kegs of homebrew ready, so that was kind of nice, too, that we had, you know, just two kegs coming out of basically a kegerator the whole time that oh my God. were coming coming out ever whenever i ordered for them so it was really nice actually wow well i haven't uh, drank for four days so i'm totally parched just listening to this okay so what are we talking spices here like my go-to is probably just like a shitload of salt and pepper or salt and some i mean it probably doesn't need olive oil there's so so much fat there but I would try to source some sort of hearty herb like rosemary or thyme or something and kind of like just baste that sucker with its own juices using like a giant brush of rosemary I tied together with some um, butcher string. Where, what, what were you doing for seasoning? That's basically it. We we made chimichurri. Yum. Which, yeah, I don't know, it's like garlic with parsley the, you know, basil herbs all these things yeah red wine vinegar yeah we didn't have any of that <laughs> or, or maybe we did i don't know my wife is in charge of the chimichurri so she made that um and then yeah basically we took a branch off of one of the trees that we had and we were basting it with that every once in a while Amazing. Um, and it turned out really nice actually so what are the sort of social rules around roasting a pig in a town where, you know, you're a redheaded white person who's clearly people think must is, must be crazy at this point. You're brewing your own beer. You're teaching Koreans on Skype and you're like um, roasting pigs in his front yard. Is anyone allowed to have some? Like, did you have to build a fence or people kind of hanging around and gossiping? What's the what's the social scene around the pig? Well, we are, we have a backyard, so we were um, doing it there, basically from the street, you couldn't see anything, um, and it was kind of a shitty day, it was kind of spitting rain, uh, so we were under this little enclosure kind of outside of our house, um, so there we didn't really see or, or you know, uh, had to interact with anybody else the whole time we were doing it. Uh, so that worked out really nice. 
how many people ate it? I mean, is there a shitload of leftovers or I mean, what did we do with the 40 pounds? We, so there were like nine adults who ended up coming over three kids. Uh, and we like, I had been working also on like making these side dishes and I made like German potato salad and, uh, like had sauerkraut and all these different things and they didn't get touched. Basically what we did was we brought the pig in, put it on my table and then just people went to town on it like piranhas. Yeah. <laughs> and like just, just were going at it with their hands and, and, you know, ripping off meat and it was just kind of pulling off. It's great. Um, we did have a lot over and we made like kind of a pulled pork kind of thing with, the spices that we can get our hands on down here. Nice. Well, I know that scene is pretty amazing. I, I guess I sort of respect vegetarians and vegans and understand some of the reasons that they do what they do, but it is amazing. We did something similar with a lamb at Tim's house where we took a bunch of pieces of rebar and chicken wire and made like a basket like you're talking about and just butterflied the lamb out and then covered it in olive oil and Dijon mustard and uh, brushed it with these huge branches of rosemary and then put it on a picnic table and basically let people just go to town on it. And it is a pretty amazing thing to see a bunch of humans stand around a dead, well-cooked animal carcass and watch how they behave. You kind of get why we have canine teeth and why people crave meat so much. So um, sounds delicious, Mike. And uh, you'll have to invite us all over. I assume if anyone shows up in Futa Lafu asking for you or asking for the guy on Landline Podcast, you'd be happy to roast a pig for them as well. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy it. It's a, it's a great kind of activity. And uh, and what's the best? I mean, last pig question here. I know we gotta we gotta move quickly. What do you think? Like, what is the you know what's the bee's knees of of the pig? Like, what is everyone going after when? What are you making sure you get some of before all these people you invited over eat it? Um, the ribs are kind of what people go after. Uh. And I, I, I don't know. I like, um, you know, I'm kind of down with fat. So anywhere where there's a little bit more fatty and, and uh, uh, you know, mixed with the meat. Because the, those little pigs that I'm talking about, they're, they're so fatty and they have, like, it's, I don't know. Like some of the meat is, is kind of in between meat and fat and it's, it's just so good. Um, it's like butter. You know, at the time, if you cook it that long. So mm. uh, that's basically what I go after. Well, I'm excited to pick up my pig next week. Not, you know, not a whole pig, but um, we got chops. We got, you know, big shoulder and butt pieces. We got uh, bacon. We got ham. I assume there's going to be some tenderloin. Um, so hopefully it's a winter's worth of pasture raised, you know, heritage pig in my freezer that we can eat. And even though I complain about how expensive it is, it's still everything included came out to f less than $5 a pound. So, you know, you compare that to the American supermarket and you're still you're still making money there. All right. Well, um, before I let you go, you're opening a brewery. We don't need to have any sort of professional financial consultation here. But can you just tell us, you know, I would say that if anyone in America told me they're going to open a brewery, I'd say it was a really stupid idea. There's way too much beer and way too much breweries and i've heard that the trucks that distribute beer 
they literally don't have any more spaces on the truck to get differentiated types of beer to the supermarket. And it's very difficult to make a profitable beer business if you're only selling from the pub, unless you have a very successful restaurant, blah, 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 blah. We all know you go to the supermarket in America now and there's literally like 500 different kinds of beer and you have no idea which one to choose. One way to start a brewery is to move 6,000 miles away to a rural whitewater rafting town in Chile. So you've been kind of nibbling around the beer production thing for a couple of years, but you're taking the plunge. Give us the, uh, give us the update. Yeah. Uh, five years or so of home brewing. And I've, this has been about a year of actually buying some bigger equipment and trying to sell beer. Um, it's gone. Okay. Uh, I was, Honestly, at the beginning, I was almost hoping it would fail, part of me, so I could be like, all right, well, I tried, <laughs> that was it, <laughs> but it kind of went well enough that we're going to keep going. Um, I'm still not legal, um, so we're going through that process, which is kind of bothersome, but kind of what you said about what is making my brewery possible is also the thing that makes it very difficult. It's so far away from where everything is made, where I can get brewing equipment or grains or anything like that. So the biggest challenge has been getting stuff here in time for me to have like a decent brewing schedule. Um, How's- like for instance, today, I've been waiting for this yeast to get here from Santiago and it finally got here and it's the wrong yeast. And so I have to send it back. The only problem with that is that the mail comes to my town once a week. So it's going to be maybe a week to get it back and then another week before I finally get the, the yeast I want. So when, when landline goes too far, I would say. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's annoying. And the other thing is that I'm doing it in the like countryside. I'm not hooked up to the electric electric grid also, which is another thing that oh yeah, landline sounds great, but I'm on a hundred percent solar and I don't have enough energy to kind of make it work what I want to do. So Because you need um, like a wart chiller that takes a bunch of energy or like or what is it like temperature control so that you're making the beer properly? It's so it's the temperature control right now. So we uh, built a fermentation chamber and basically right now I've been needing a heater to keep it warm enough because it's been freezing here for the last, you know, couple months. And uh just getting that through and I've, you know, having enough, we had to put a new solar panel on top and then see what the battery charges were. And it was, it was just a month or so of, of trying to get that figured out. Um, well, this is amazing. That kind of shit I hate. Yeah. I mean, you could, at least you could write a book about this and make some money that way if it does fail. Cause you know, the stories you're telling right now are pretty amazing. I don't know how many other people are trying to make, Sort of. I don't know how many Americans are trying to get a microbrew going in a you know foreign country wilderness, but maybe maybe it's a lot. I don't know. Call in if you're a brewer. If you're an American brewer on a country wilderness, <laughs> call into the landline five zero three eight nine four eight four eighty. 
All right, so if you get the power dot, well, what's your, so you, it sounds like power is your major issue. Sourcing ingredients. I mean, what makes beer good is basically fresh grains, good hops, and good water. I assume you have access to amazing water. How are you getting the malted barley and the hops there? The the malted barley comes from Santiago originally, and the hops I get from the states. You know that that comes down from the United States, which is ridiculous. I know, but. It's kind of the way it has to be right now. Um, well, you know, hops grow like weed, not only like weed dandelions, but like marijuana. They're very similar. So you might – is have you thought about growing hops? I'm sure you have. It's probably harder to get a quality control there that, that you need. But I do know that hops kind of just shoot up as long as it's wet and sunny. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of what – the first thing everybody says to me and I sorry I have so many no 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 I it's like I have so many other things to to try to figure out beforehand before I could like have a hop field or produce enough hops to get to get to make what I need um there's actually a big hop producing center right over the border in Argentina uh, a couple hours from here um which have pretty good hops um, that actually, they export a lot to the U.S., um, but I haven't been able to actually make a recipe with them or figure out what I'm going to do with them. Um, and it's basically one type of hop, so um, it's not that exciting to me for for the future. I would like to one day be able to do it, but that's down the road, and it would be dependent on whether this business is successful or not. All right. Well, we know there, there's a but. Wait, what'd you say? Sorry, I cut you off. No, it's kind of up in the air whether this is gonna work out. So, um. well, just charge too much money. I mean, it sounds like your beers should be like forty eight dollars a piece, and you know, um, obviously, you're not going to charge the local population that. But don't you guys have Germans coming in on cruise ships? Like those guys, the Germans would say, I'm, I, you know, I'm beer bitter and, and pay whatever you want and take a picture and put it on their Instagram because they'll think it's like so cool that somebody is making, you know, high quality beer in the middle of nowhere and just charge them 20 bucks a, a 16 ounce pour. That's what I would do. Yeah, that's kind of what we're, we're kind of planning for the summer and we're kind of looking at, we should just do something like that. Just way overcharged for the tourists who are coming through because honestly they'll pay whatever and the i'm really worried right now about the quality like i want a really good beer but the kind of crazy thing i think about having beer down here what i've seen is that having a good beer isn't necessarily the thing that's going to make or break you just having enough beer to serve to people um is is a is a very big determinant of whether you're going to be successful or not. Well, so. sounds fun. Sounds like something we should check in on over time. Um, and uh, I think anyone who is in Chile should strive to drink one of your beers. I mean, that's a pretty amazing goal. I know that Sean, the airborne meteorologist, was down there and biffed it um, as some of his recent voicemails that I'll put into this podcast um, illustrate. Um, all right. Well, before you go, have you been listening to Landline? Any uh, any comments, questions, concerns? Um, what I was listening to the Saul cast 
the other day, uh, which I always enjoy. Um, I, I downloaded the other ones, but I haven't gotten around to listening to them yet. But um, This is great news glad... for me. This means that all my hits are from people I don't know. This is great news. Keep going. <laughs> um, I'm glad you're back kind of getting after it again. This is, this is uh, great. And it's, you know, I go out and on my brew day, I'm kind of cut off from everything um, for like eight to ten hours. And so having podcasts to listen to is, is gold for me. They're so valuable. So keep at it, and I will be listening. Or don't. You know, if it's terrible, it's kind of like your beer brewing. Like, why don't we have a race to see who fails first? And uh, <laughs> I won't drink your beer, and you don't have to listen to my podcast, and then we'll just uh, touch base when one of us decides to stop doing it. Um, but um, Didn't you spend six months in Australia yeah. Yeah, I love Australia. So why, like, in uh, in all honesty, half my listeners, which are in the several hundreds a week now, are in Australia. So do you have any, uh, do you want to connect with the Australian crowd here at all? Because I have nothing to say to them. I feel like I need to do, my aunt suggested I do an all-Australia episode where me and a variety of guests just review Australian news from afar. But um, do you have any points of view on Australia? Yeah, well, my time in Australia was pretty hazy. Uh, Semester abroad in college where um, I only had two days a week of classes and the rest of the time was just kind of getting after it. Um, What I do remember is that the people are awesome. It's a great country. Um, It was kind of my first experience abroad and kind of the reason why I, I liked I realized I liked being so far away from my family and everything like that. So I don't know. I, I, I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to why, why it happened. It's so weird that you have a foothold down there, but well, it's because be a group of people that, that you're, that you're reaching out to. They it's cause there's a like very well known TV show in Australia called landline. So they're finding me by Googling <laughs> the landline show and then, but they're clicking on the pod and listening. So there's something there and they keep coming back for more. Um, all right. Anything on the Patriots? So Mike was one of the original guests. Mike was the original guest on Landline along with Dr. Dreamboat. Um, and it's we've kind of both you and the doctor said that we I should stop podcasting with you guys because you were the worst guest. But I never believe that to be the case. Um, but here we are 19 years into Tom Brady you've moved as far away from, you know, Boston as one can other than maybe China um, and yet you continue to watch the Patriots every week on the international NFL package you're one of the best fans anywhere um, whether it's you know Somerville um, Framingham or Futilafu so uh, what's your what's your 90 second analysis of the Pats uh, it's just it's crazy it's another one of those years started off and I was like, this is it. It's over. They're, they're done. Um, which has happened the last couple years. Um, and it's so weird that I can convince myself that they're really not going to make it work this year. And now they, you know, then they turn it around week four and they're doing exactly what they've done <laughs> for the last 18 years. It's crazy. Um, I'm, I'm not waiting for this to be over, but, um, 
I think when the whole Brady situation finally dies down, that's that's when I'll stop caring so much on Sundays about football. I think. I don't know. I, I'm right there with you. I keep telling myself that. And then there's little moments of like, well, what if they have a young, fun quarterback and it's like a season where they're struggling to make the playoffs? That's a whole other thing to root for. Um, but, oh, the dog just came in. But uh, it is crazy. Like, I, I will reiterate what I've said on previous podcasts, and I know this isn't a sports radio show, so people are probably bored. But I challenge anybody to find another business or organization or whatever it is, sports team, where they manage to continually succeed at this level with so many different people other than the two principals, Brady and Belichick. I mean, it is completely crazy like in week four of this season, it seemed like they stunk. That was I was like, these guys stink, and now they look like they're the best offense in football. And it's yeah, three it's weeks later. It's so weird. It just it just doesn't happen. Um, you know, even Sears went out of business. So there it is, the New England Patriots. All right. Well, thank you to Mike for podcasting. Have fun. Great to talk to you. Let's talk again soon. It's been too long. And uh, thanks for being on Landline Podcast. Yeah, I love you, buddy. All right, love you too. Bye. Landline, let's check the answering machine. Alahans, this does not sound like the landline. Um, I'm sure that's my own digital housekeeping issue, but I thought maybe the ambiance of me being on a tarmac at LAX. After uh, leaving my credit card at the Cozy Inn last night, um... You know, maybe the people would laugh. But uh, all's well. Had a great time here in L.A. Gabe is looking good and professional. Um, I'm off to Mexico for a few months and still crave the comedic chops of our once great friend group. But also, mostly, I guess the most important thing that I wanted to let you know is that the Dak Shepherd podcast is so much better than yours. It's you know it's a little annoying. It runs on a little bit, but uh, it's just head and shoulders better than your podcast. Um, just for reference, right now I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, five amazing machines that were intended to fly much like us. Hopefully these ones take off and don't remain idling in the same air that we do. I love you. But also, open tab at the Cozy Inn. I think it's in Silver Lake, not Venice, but uh, open tab for anyone that uh, is interested at the Cozy Inn. Thanks, Kabushka. Ciao. Landline. Sorry, hopefully you can somehow Ira Glass these communiques. But uh, the other hilarious note that I meant to, which is what spurred the call, was just the hilarity of the analog customer service that I've received. And uh, just saying, if you have an iPhone, you should know how to use it. And if your job is customer service, 
you know that um, you know we're not all dialing up. People understand things. But anywho, literally about to walk onto a plane, and um, yeah, the offer still stands with the cozy in, and uh, I do. Um, you know, not feeling very patriotic, but um, excited to be who I am. So, yeah. All right, there you have it. Election week landline. Take it for what you will. If you're a pig eater, if you're a Supreme Court expert, if you're a feminist, if you are a drunken white male, we've got it all here on Landline Podcast. <clears throat> it's going to be one more segment for the super fans after the closing credits. It's an epic scam jam. Me versus the healthcare industry. I find it to be very funny and performance art-ish. So for anyone who just sharpening their spear or their chisels or cleaning out the wood stove, good little piece for you if you're against the healthcare industry. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next time. See you next Tuesday. 503-894-8480. Call the landline. Let's get some chatter going about this episode happy monday sorry i'm late bye thanks australia music by the pitchfork revolution out of bend oregon the best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend. You're listening to Landline. One more segment before we go, my friends. Your favorite, my favorite scam jam. It's a reverse scam this time, and it's your favorite service provider, the healthcare industry. Landline. It's time for Scam Jam when Alex keeps a telemarketer on the phone until they're ashamed of themselves. Thank you for calling the Providence Resource Line. A resource specialist will be with you as soon as possible. If you are trying to reach Providence Human Resources, please hang up and dial one 888 Six eight seven three seven five two. Please note, calls may be recorded for quality assurance purposes. Providence Resource Line. This is June. May I help you? Hi, I'm a current. Um, I'm a current. Uh, you know, member. And I am having a very difficult time having my vision care part of my health insurance um, validate that I am a member. For some reason, they only reflect my wife and not me and their system. And I have to pay out of pocket. So I'm trying to get all this squared away. And this is probably my sixth call on this issue. Well, I can get you over to the Providence Health Plan customer service. Okay. They can tell you about your coverage and help you straighten that out. Okay, great. Okay, hold on.
welcome to Providence Health Plans, where superior customer service is our goal. Your call may be monitored and recorded for quality purposes. To get started, please tell me if you're a member, participating provider, or other caller. Member. Please say the member's date of birth. For example, March 7, 1965. April 12, 1983. April 12, 1983. Was that correct? Yes, except for April. It's April. Please say the member's first and last name. Alexander McKay. McKay. Is that the correct last name? Yes. Please hold while I connect you to a customer service representative. Benefits quoted are subject to eligibility and plan limitations at the time services are rendered and are not a guarantee of payment. Thank you for holding. If you are a current Providence Health Plan individual member calling to make a premium payment, please press 1 now to be directed to a payment specialist. If you are an existing individual plan member calling about the discontinued plan letter, please press 2 to be connected with membership accounting. All other callers, please remain on the line, and the next available representative will assist you shortly. Thank you for calling Providence Health Plans. This is Summer. How may I help you? Hi. I am a current customer, and for some reason, my vision care element on my membership is not um, showing that I have a valid account when I'm trying to... Basically, my vision insurance is not showing as having vision insurance. And I've called Providence multiple times, and they say I do. And then when I call VPN or whatever it's called, they say I don't. So I'm sort of in purgatory here and wondering how I'm supposed to proceed. Mm, understood. Let me take a look for you. What's your name? My name is Alex McKay, M-A-C-K-A-Y. And can I reconfirm your address and date of birth? Portland, Oregon, 97227-41283. Okay. Thanks, Alex. Let me get this account pulled up here. Is this call being recorded? Can I just ask that? They are randomly recorded. Okay, they're randomly recorded. Yep. So as I take a look at your policy, I'm sorry to say you're not eligible on the policy at all. Looks like the plan terminated back on 12-31-17. Right, so I've been through this a couple of times with you guys. So I don't know if there was another... I, my insurance is through my wife's name, through her work. So I'm not sure if what you're looking up is an expired um, account, but I have health insurance through her that I've used this year successfully, so I don't think it's expired. So is there any way that I can give you my subscriber number, member number, or group number and pull up a different account? And, and also, as a follow-up, if we could, if I do in fact have insurance, then whatever account you're looking at now is the one that continues to confuse people. So I'd love to have my active account be the one that's reflected when someone looks up my name. Absolutely, yeah. The account that popped up for me was an individual and family plan that you had last year. 
I did a name search on I don't see any active policies for you with Providence Health Plan. What's the ID number you should have with that? So I have a subscriber number, a member number, and a group number. Are any of those what you're looking for? Subscriber and member number should be the same. What's the number you show for that? So I have 116 as the member number, and then my subscriber number is 901 at the end because that I am you know, a, a dependent or a family member on this account. Yep, yep, you'd be that 01 suffix. Let me take a look here. There we go. Okay. Alex, one more time, what was your date of birth year? 4-12-83. Okay, that's the issue. So we have a incorrect date of birth year on file for you. Okay. ID number, okay. Let me get this pulled up just to take a look at the eligibility real quick. Okay, so yep, this policy does definitely have the vision policy through VSP. Now, I think the issue that they might be running into is if they're searching for you and they're trying to enter your birth year, we have 85 listed, whereas your correct date of birth is 83. So that's probably the issue that providers are running into. Let me just see if I can get this corrected. do have the right date of birth year listed on the enrollment form, so I can definitely get it corrected. It may take about a business day to update, but you definitely have the VSP coverage. Okay. Uh, go, go ahead. Sorry about that. So when you give providers your member ID number, you're giving them the right member ID number. It's probably just that year typo that we have in our system that's giving them faulty information. When you were talking about vision, are you at a vision clinic right now? Or? No, I paid out of pocket, and I want to submit the bill for reimbursement. Okay. Yep, we do have a form available from our website. I can also get you over to VSP if you want to talk about your coverage. Well, the problem is that I've been talking to VSP, and I've been talking to you guys, and I know this isn't your fault, but I talk to a new person at Providence every time, and every time they tell me it's all taken care of, and then I call VSP, and they look at me sideways and tell me that I don't have vision insurance. So um, the other concern that hasn't been alleviated is that when my wife is looked up in their system, they say that she has an individual account or whatever the official name is, and that there's no family member. So irregardless of my birth date being wrong, you would assume that I would appear on her account with my incorrect birth date, and I don't. And so I just don't – and you said it's going to be a business day. So if I talk to VSP now, they're not going to know any of the information you just told me. Um, and I don't know that when I do call them that the changes that have been made are actually going to be there because the previous two times that this has happened, they haven't been changed. I'm also a little bit concerned that I really appreciate you finding out the root of the problem, but that the previous two calls I've made to Providence – 
somebody, you know, didn't kind of get to the end of the rope and realize why this was happening to me. So um, I'm in a fair amount of man hours on this, and so are you guys. Kind of makes me mad about the efficiency of the system and then the additional cost of my insurance plan as a result, but I would love to hear a path towards success moving forward that will allow me to efficiently submit a claim that I shouldn't have had to pay out of pocket and then get the money as soon as possible. Absolutely. So if you don't mind holding, and I'm sorry to kind of drag this out a little bit longer, but I can call over to our enrollment team to see if they can update the date of birth error right now. Okay. I can also then connect over with CSP and make sure that they're able to locate your eligible policy because I have a way with the member ID number to have them pull your account so that hopefully it's purchased bypassing that date of birth error. And I'll have them take a look in to see what the quickest way to get that reimbursement for you would be, okay? That sounds great. Perfect. Well, give me just a moment here. I'm going to call over to a moment to take care of that date of birth error, and then I'll be back for you, okay? Thanks. continue to hold. Your call will resume in a moment, and we're looking forward to helping you. Your time is as important to us as your health. Please continue to hold during this brief delay. A member of our staff will be with you in just one moment.
Alex, it's Summer again. Hi. Okay. Hey. So good news. I now have the date of birth corrected. So we show four twelve nineteen eighty three as your date of birth. Correct. Great. That's it. Perfect. Now, in talking to VSP, I wish it was instant for them to get this date of birth correction, but it does take them a little bit of time as well. So, what I can do is I can still transfer over there just to make sure that you're now showing up in their system. They can go over the benefit and the reimbursement process with you, okay? Okay, great. Great. Yes, sir. Again, I apologize about this, but this is that's how we get the ball rolling. And I mean, you'll you'll get reimbursed for it, though. All right. Thanks so much. You're welcome, sir. Bye. I'm taking a piss. Oops. Your time is as important to us as your health. Please continue to hold during this brief delay. A member of our staff will be with you in just one moment. Your call will resume in a moment, and we're looking forward to helping you. Please continue to hold. Your call will resume in a moment, and we're looking forward to helping you. Thank you for calling. My name is Tony, and is this Mr. Alexander McKay? This is me. What's up, Tony? Not much. How you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm ready to get this squared away and get on with it. Yes, sir. It looks like you're calling in regards. Well, she said you're calling in regards to some out-of-network coverage. That's right. Providence had my birth date wrong, and so you guys couldn't find me. And I called them multiple times, and they didn't really figure that out until today. So... Um, I know that the kind of pour over of my information isn't instantaneous. I just wanted to double check once I am showing up in the system what I can do to submit a bill for reimbursement that I paid out of pocket. Yes, sir. I can help you out with that. And what uh, what work did you get done? Where did I get the work done? 
Yeah, what was it? Did you just get it was a it was a uh, annual glasses check, like a eye checkup at a optician um, and a prescription. Oh. That, oh, okay, just a regular comprehensive exam. Yes, that's correct. Yes, sir. It looks like your reimbursement amount will be forty five dollars. You did have a thirty dollar copay, and the easiest and quickest way to submit a claim if if you go to vsp dot com, which is visionserviceplan dot com. If you go in there, let me see if you've already registered your account already. No, sir, you would have to register your account with your first and last name, your date of birth, and the uh, and the last four of your social. You can register your account. And actually, there's not a unique ID number if you like this. I can give you your ID number, and you can punch that in there when you go to create an account, and it should pull it up. But go ahead. You do. Yes, sir. It's a pretty long number. It is 1132-9011-14959. Okay. And so you're saying that I, if I go in for an exam, an uh, 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 eye exam, that I make a $30 copay, and there's $45 of coverage. So anything above $75 for an eye exam is out of pocket anyways. Is that correct? Yeah, anything over that $45 will be out of pocket. You'll, I mean, you obviously pay up front, but then you'll get re- reimbursed the uh, $45. But so if if I had shown my insurance card at the window, and, you know, obviously there was a, a snafu around me being insured because of this birth date mix-up, if I had had my vision insurance and showed it to them, then and, and let's say that the bill for the exam was $120, my insurance plan would have only covered 45 of it? Well, that's out of network. If you go in-network, your comprehensive exam is fully covered with just your $30, $30 copay. Okay, and so how did you know I was out of network? Uh, that's what the lady said to me before she transferred you over. Oh, no, I'm in network. This was an in network exam. Oh, okay. What's the phone number to the to the office? Um, hold on one second. Oh. Um, I can give you I can give you the name. Um, hold on. I got to go down to my computer. Because if it if it was in network and you paid for everything up front, yeah, all you needed to do was give them your tell them you had uh, VSP and give them your insurance card. But I didn't have VSP then because um, VSP said I didn't have insurance because Providence had my birthday wrong. Are we on the same page? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, where VSP said that you didn't have coverage. Okay, so my birth date was incorrect on my Providence plan. So every time that the vision provider called VSP to see if I had insurance, VSP said um, I didn't. And so I needed an eye appointment, so I went and got one and paid for it. But the reality was I did have VSP insurance. It was just incorrectly filed in the um in the system because of my birth date being incorrect. So 
I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Because if your birthday is wrong and we can't pull it up, that makes sense. Okay, so the phone number is 503-206-3937. Okay, Optics PDX. Yes, sir. Yeah, they are definitely in network. And trying to think maybe if they can file the claim for you. Did you already pay for everything already? I did. Yes, sir. Go ahead and submit the claim, though, because that's that's the first process. You'll definitely need to submit the claim, and you'll initially it'll get paid for the forty-five dollar out of network coverage. And what happens when you when that happens when you get that check for the forty-five dollar, you you'll have to give us a call back and t- you know, and you kind of have to say that's unacceptable because you went in network, and there is something else we could do about that. But you have to start it off with you filing an out of network claim. Because you've already paid up front, the doctor's office is not going to give your money back and then file a claim that way. I mean, unless you can get them to do that, I doubt they do that. I haven't, I haven't ran a, came across that too many times. But that's where we get the ball rolling. You submit the claim for the out of network because you pay privately, so you get paid for the out of network uh, amount. And then once you get that check, obviously don't cash it. Just give us a call back, and there are other steps that we could take. But we, again, that we have to do do it this way first. So. So even though this was an in-network visit, the I need to take out-of-network steps in order to get the ball rolling. Yeah, only because it's a patient pay, paid privately, and I'm showing that the uh, they are in-network, so that's the only way that we can we can start the, the process, if you will. We have to do it that way because once we do that, we have the claim in, we see that you did go, and you you're gonna have to call back and. Say that the out of network coverage that's not uh you don't you don't agree with that, and that's what you'll have to do is put, sort of like a complaint that you'll have to do, and that's the only way that we can get you covered for the full reimbursement amount be or for the full uh, amount because that forty five dollars is initially going to get paid out first, but because you paid privately and they didn't you know the birthday was a mix up so that's why they couldn't find you. I understand that. But these are the steps that we'll we have to take, though, and I apologize about that. Okay. Well, uh, I appreciate your help, um, and I guess I'll talk to you guys later. Landline, I will read anything you put in front of me.